This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. This is Everything Elite, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to all elite wrestling and the elite extended universe. I'm AB, and if you missed Grumpy AB last week, boy, are you in for a fucking treat. Uh, Because I hated this show, and I'm excited to talk about how much I fucking hated it. Uh, If you loved this show, I don't know, maybe somebody else will have your back, but it will not be me on this episode. Uh, also joined by Nate, aka Epitasis. Uh Nate, did you hate this show? You know, I I didn't hate this show, but I did find this show very frustrating. Yeah, that's you know that's that's a lot of my uh, relationship to AEW is that it's often so close to being just wonderful and great, and they just do little things that frustrate me. And you know, as time goes on, those frustrations pile up and become entities unto themselves and then you have little frustration gremlins like alex abrahantes running around the show and just pouring (laughs) into every facet of the program uh that might be an exaggeration but uh that's that's where i'm at with the show aaron bentley any uh what do you got that's non-frustrating today nate what do you got that's making you feel happy and good (laughs) (laughs) um not a bunch it is it's the last day of the month uh yeah. the end of the month is the busiest time for me at work so uh you know just been just been going hard all day today uh, i am about to hit maximum level in final fantasy 14 so that's pretty huge i'm at 79 about to about to cross the 80 threshold are you going to be maximum multiplayer online no, merely massively multiplayer online. <laughs> I will not be maximum multiplayer online, uh, okay. but that's due to that's due to their server limitations. That's that's I, not my fault. I got you. Have you decided uh, to actually get into the NBA playoffs yet? You're running out of time. Well, here's the thing: I don't have cable, as oh, people who pay attention sure. to the show may may know. I do the Fight TV subscription to AEW, um, but I don't have cable. And I asked in in one of the DMs the other day for somebody to give me a link to the NBA game, and nobody did. So that was kind of my one shot at it. <laughs> I was going to say, anytime something comes on that Nate might want to watch, is, hey, anybody got a stream? <laughs> <laughs> and usually I get a, you know one within you know 90 seconds or so. Yeah. Um, but have been let down this time, uh, which, you know, that goes hand in hand with me about to max out my level in a massively sure. multiplayer online RPG. Nate, I would tell you a good place to stream NBA playoffs, but uh, they don't have an ad on this week's show, so I can't help you out, but mm. may- maybe another time. Uh, we're also joined, of course, by Mike Spears. What's up, Mike? I'm going to be the positive force on this show. I found a lot to this show that I liked. I found a lot that I disliked, to be fair. But, you know, I I don't know if I'm going to be like the solid pushback you're looking for, Aaron, but maybe I'm going to be like the reassuring, like, tuck into the bed. You know, that's what that might be my energy tonight. I mean, as as Nate is not celebrating the start of a new month, I am 
because you know tomorrow's my birthday so there we go that's Ooh. right that's right happy birthday well, uh, I don't know that Aaron is ever looking for a solid pushback. I was going to say, I, I want to be usually... really clear. <laughs> I don't know that is true. I don't true. want either of you to push back on my opinions. I want you to tell me what a great opinion it is and, you know, just support me. That's really all I'm ever looking for. Well, how about I go like, what a great opinion you have. What a big brain. Now, as you get tucked into bed, this really wasn't as bad as you thought it was. <laughs> Uh, no, no, I don't think so. <laughs> That's going to make me angry. Um, my, my real problem is that when I start having a bad time, it makes me very irritable. <laughs> you tailspin, so, buddy. You tailspin. Yeah, I do. Very quickly. So, um, yeah, it goes poorly. And that's what happened uh, on this show for sure. Um, if you want to see me tailspin more times, you can follow us on Twitter at everything AEW or even better over at Aaron, like the car. I often tailspin over there. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fuji. Hey, uh, they're always keeping it positive on their feed. So, you know, check those out. If you like subscribe to the podcast, just search everything elite on whatever podcast app you use. Hit subscribe. You'll get these as soon as they come out. If you use the Apple podcast app, give us a five star rating and review. Uh, there please and if you want to support the show the best way to do so is head over to patreon.com slash everything elite and subscribe if you are not listening live to this it's you know the new month so sign up uh okay as always we're gonna start this bad boy with elite or delete nate we've just said that neither of us enjoyed it particularly well but what was your favorite thing from the show well, this, this is an easy one. I'm going to take the low-hanging fruit. Um, so apologies to both of you. But something I've talked about being kind of a, an annoyance with the show is how the Young Bucks like to go out and pick the show early and have the best match in the first segment of the show. They pretty much did that again. Uh, they had a very entertaining tag team match to kick things off. Young Bucks versus Pentagon and Eddie Kingston. The Young Bucks have mustaches now. Uh, Tony Schiavone correctly observed that they look like porn stars, uh, and it's fantastic. I love that for them. That really just it 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 fits them in a way I didn't expect it would, of course, because they are good Christian boys and and family men and all those things. Uh, but they do have a certain certain porn energy. Um, not not contemporary porn, of course, but like classic, you know, your your old stag films or something. Uh, and they just went out and had like a badass match. Um, that peaked really high at, at the finish, you know, told a, a simple story of, of getting the heat and, and Eddie refusing to go down. And then finally the baby faces overcoming the cheating from the elite and their various cohorts, their cronies, their Brandon Cutlers. Uh, you of course had the elite hunter, Frankie, the Punisher Kazarian, as Chris Jericho called him. Uh, he has now obtained the elite cold spray. So that is just going to change you know, the tactical situation permanently from here on out. I hope he gets like a weird belt holster that he can put the cold spray in uh, and use it against them in, in uh, future, future missions, future <laughs> Frankie special ops missions. Um, and I think, you know, I, I thought this was going to be a big show. It was not really a big show. It was kind of just a, a standard show. Uh, but with the baby faces getting a big win and subverting all the cheating by the heels here with the hot crowd, it, it peaked early and it felt like it was going to be a big show with, with Eddie and Pentagon coming out on top. And Pentagon even got the wind after all the complaining I've done in this show about 
them killing Pentagon. So yeah, that was that was the obvious lead thing to me. It just was an absolute blast. Like it, it it's something that I like to push back on the porn energy. They are good Christian boys. And let me tell you, Matt Jackson, that was a pretty strong mustache on Matt Jackson. Like his facial hair out of everyone out of the elite and the elite's cohort, his was the least kind of like disturbing. Like that's a newscaster in the 70s mustache there. But the Matt's rock. The Max was exceptional. Uh, I loved like they, they did like this fake out in the match that I thought was really exceptional where like they've been working over Eddie the entire match and it looked like Eddie was about to do his fire up for the hot tag and they immediately took his knee out and they had another uh, heat section on him and I thought that that was absolutely tremendous just an absolute great match I mean we're at a point now with like with the Young Bucks we are probably close to a two or three DVD set of the best of the Young Bucks in AEW just because like as you said Nate like they they get the first match on the show. They immediately go out and destroy it more times than not. And, you know, I like how they are. Well, we had a significant uh, elite versus face army character beat with the elite hunter, the Punisher, getting the cold spray. And, you know, I felt like that. It felt like something like with how that win came together. It almost felt like that's how you would end a show. It's like the baby face is all saying triumphant. They finally took care of it. But it's also kind of what you think of that they're going to do when they finally get the belts off them in a way. But I, I, I really dug it. Eddie, like, it's something. And it's something that I think we all really knew. Eddie Kingston, with the exception of probably Hangman, is the most over person on the AEW roster. And that's wild. And that's like, there's not a lot of positives we can take out of the last 15 months. But Eddie Kingston, not only getting a full-time job, but kind of being like, the rally the troops, like the big star on the show is just something that, you know, it makes your heart warm. It's something that like you see this and you see a match like this. You're like, all right. I, as you said earlier, Nate, like they, they get so close sometimes. And that's why sometimes this promotion is so frustrating. But then when you have a match and a segment and a storyline like this, that is paying off and is taking the steps there. That's when you're like, Oh, if things really got together and if they nailed it on everything like this, like we're, we're talking about something truly special, but, even with like this one match here, it was truly exceptional. Yeah, they did a couple good cutoffs in addition to the one you mentioned. The one where Eddie just no sold the super kick, and then they hit him with like three more super kicks, and finally he went down. Uh, also, a great you know cutoff of his his comeback that didn't happen. And you can do those things when the baby faces are ultimately going to win. You can keep getting the heat because you know the finish is right around the corner. the The whole Bucks thing is so exciting because I feel like the Bucks peaked. It recently, you know, in like in their most recent peak was during like the Bullet Club fight stuff, uh, you know, in when they're still in New Japan and Ring of Honor, like when all that's going on is when they were like at their peak character wise, excitement wise, the crowd really behind them or against them wise. And then they kind of came into AEW and could uh, float on that for a while of just like, OK, everybody has kind of gotten used to us being these guys like when you saw them, you know before the whole new japan thing took off before they really had cemented these characters in like ring of honor and then everybody was like oh yeah these guys fucking rock we love them you know they were huge stars then they hit the peak then they stagnated a little bit maybe not for your average aw fans but i know i would say for us who have watched them like a billion times you're kind of like okay here's the young bucks and they're doing their thing and you can kind of just get used to them being having really good tag matches and being whatever and then they found this like new gear 
with this character <laughs> or i don't know if they like found an old gear but they just like went back to it nick yeah. definitely found a new gear and it's very exciting again yeah it's funny because it's not that different from their heel shtick like in bullet club you know they're doing pelvic thrusts now which is you, you know it's pretty much a suck it except they don't do the suck it part um but it does feel different it's like it's mostly the gear and the look and nick nick's has super weirdly filled in mustache like he has yeah. the thickest mustache of all time and he the grew it out of nowhere he grew yeah. it out of nowhere that's the <laughs> yeah. insane thing about it right that's like that's like most of most of what has kind of reinvigorated them a little bit uh and like the weird the weird nick bacaw thing where he's doing bird sounds like uh, just out of left field and a nice uh, uh gust of fresh air uh, i, I want to pitch something just because i they're doing three days in chicago as we know and they're getting the ball rolling on the on the hangman page title challenge as we know um there was a period of course when they were doing the elite will they won't they will they won't they will hangman break up with them wherever i think we definitely you know thought they were stagnating at that point on that week of shows in Chicago, where they did the Young Bucks first Page and Omega tag, they got to do that on Dynamite. Do a rematch. <laughs> do do Page and Omega against the Young Bucks rematch. Of course, Page challenging Omega at the pay per view, and then you can just totally subvert and totally destroy the entire concept of that Revolution tag match that they did. And instead of doing the oh, you know, I don't want to hurt my friend, I don't want to hurt my friend. It just turns into Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, you know, destroying Adam Page and, and cheering about it and doing pelvic thrust about it. Um, that would be very funny to me. That's all. Sure. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting week of like how they can build that up so, so that it escalates throughout the week to the pay-per-view. So, yeah, that'll be fun to see. Uh, Mike, your elite pick from this week. So as the wave of positivity here there, there's actually a lot of stuff to choose from that i feel like that they hit the right marks and i felt like was really solid this week but the thing that I, I i'm gonna leave you the easy one aaron the one that i know that you're gonna just thrive with here i, I have to say i like kind of the way other than you know production miscues i like the way that they've really started to build up this eventual kenny and uh page storyline and the way that they had the dark order involved with it first evil uno kind of being the spokesman and then saying like oh yeah no we're going to get him to come after you and kenny just being like really he doesn't want to come after me he doesn't want the title he doesn't think he deserves it like pointing out the obvious there and then like having the true like come to jesus moment with hangman backstage with giving alex reynolds like the, the sentimental final line of the segments like i feel like that was incredibly effective my, my only big question that i offer is if they're starting this off now we're about to be in july that's about nine weeks until all out do they hold us out for later is the question because this is something that i mean it's been simmering and i would argue they could le let it simmer for a while and then finally because of i feel like kenny still has more matches because i feel like hangman is your exit ramp so do you think that this is just like the start of something that we're going to be seeing immediately at all out like you're proposing or do you think this is something that they might try to make this into like the overarching storyline for the back half of the year when they're on the road so yeah i think all out 
in Chicago is the time to do the match. I think there's a nice through line with Adam Page's story where they did that Revolution Tag match in Chicago. They did his initial title challenge against Jericho in Chicago. So I think there's a you know nice poetry to him having the Kenny Omega match in Chicago and presumably winning. Um, but I do, you know, nine times nine weeks is kind of a long time to do a build. And what they did on this episode was interesting in that I think it's appropriate for Paige's character, you know, his relationship with Kenny, his relationship with the Dark Order. Um, you know, that all sort of fits the way they had the Dark Order come out and issued the challenge on Paige's behalf. But I wonder if maybe you wanted to have additional beats in there or something. Maybe you wanted to have the Dark Order go to Paige and say, hey, man, you're number one in the rankings. You just got, you know, a big win against Powerhouse Hobbs. You need to go issue a challenge, man. You can make a challenge for the title belt and just, you know, maybe burn a week on that just because it, it it sort of sets the stage a little more, obviously, for when you do have the Dark Order come out and make the challenge on his behalf and say, Adam's not doing it. We need to give him a, a push. We're his friends. We're going to support him. We need to give him the push to get behind this and, and make it happen for him. Um, and then you still get like the heartwarming thing where it's like, no, Adam, we believe in you. We're here for you, you know, the same way that you were here for us or whatever. So, yeah, it is. I thought it was an appropriate segment, appropriate way to take this story. Uh, and hopefully they have other ideas for how to keep building it as we get toward whatever that end date is. But, yeah, I think maybe they could have even uh, played it a little more slowly at this point. Yeah, our, our friend Rawl said this, but it's like they ran through the whole arc in like two minutes <laughs> with, <laughs> with this backstage thing. Yeah, even if they did it exactly this way, next week they could have had Adam Page being like, hey guys, what the fuck? And then the next week you could be like, no man, you know, we really, we support you. You can do this, you know, like you really could have stretched this out more uh, than they did. But I still think it's at least, it feels less boring than like when this was just the same thing all the time when it was Kenny and Hangman before. So that's exciting. It's also like, uh, this is our, our listener elite, Sean Thurman, having friends that believe in you no matter what. It's like a very positive thing. It's like uplifting. It's exciting. And it doesn't feel cheesy in being that way. It, like It's very earned, I think, the way they built the Hangman and Dark Order thing of like, yeah, these guys would actually be this way toward Hangman. Yeah, I, I I think it's a, a little cheesy, but a cheesy in a way I like. It's cheesy in a, uh, you know, uh, powering up Goku with the power of friendship or whatever. I think that <laughs> plays to uh, this sort of contemporary audience in a way that it might not to uh, a, a slightly more cynical audience. Maybe that's just uh, me. Um, but yeah, they did. Yeah, that's right. They did kind of go through two two beats unnecessarily on this episode and also maybe you want to drag that out because you kind of want to get the crowd to 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 fire up a little bit for hangman too maybe you know evil uno come out and be like hey guys we need you to like support hangman here and and, and tell him that he can do this because right now he doubts it or whatever um so yeah they did maybe maybe jump the gun a little bit i yeah and, and that's why i was wondering about if they were if this is something that they actually are going to string out and they just started it because it did feel like that they kind of rushed things a little bit and you could really have some fun interplay with that especially as they're getting back to crowds and touring like the idea of how sympathetic everyone is towards hangman and 
and he's already popular with the crowd, but you could use that and juice up the crowd even more of what you said, Nate, about like having uh, Eveluna saying like, we're trying to get this. We believe them. Obviously, you do too, but we have to try. And I feel like that's something that at least the AEW audiences, they start returning to touring would be really responsive to it. Also, I had kind of bored of the Hangman character, like the the anxious millennial character. But this is the first time in a while where it's like, okay, this is actually relatable that he is. They, I mean, they said it; it was in the text, but that he's literally just afraid of of <laughs> failing again, of fucking this up, and so he kind of just doesn't want to do it because of that. And it's like, well, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I get that. Hey, you know, now that you point that out, maybe. Maybe the real story, the real lesson isn't he's afraid of failing, but, you know, his friends force him to do the thing and then he wins and it turns out happy. The real character development is probably he's afraid of failing, but he goes for it anyway. So maybe he needs to lose the title match and be like, you know what? I failed now. I know what it is to fail. uh, And now next time I'm not going to be afraid of failing. I'm just going to go for it. Uh, But I do kind of want to credit them because, yeah, we were like, uh, I think, uh, impatient or yeah, had reached our, our limit with the hangman character and also with the dark order. Um, and also with the, you know, elites in hangman melodrama or whatever it is, all those things at various points were like, okay, we've seen enough of this. Uh, we need to move on from this. And I think they played it a smart way and that they just kind of put it on the back burner. They weren't impatient about it. They didn't say, okay, hangman needs to turn heel. They didn't say, oh, this isn't working. We need to go in a whole new direction. They were like, no, we we think this works. We just need to adjust how much of it we're giving to you guys and, and wait until the time's right and then heat it back up. And I think that was, uh, you know, this, the, the good way to go about it. I mean, we, we'll look at this again, you know, in, in nine weeks or just short of nine weeks when we're looking at the actual card and if this matches the title match. Uh, but as it sits like today, it feels to me like even though I think Kenny has been great in this role, and I don't know if this is just me, but it does feel like that is starting to wear out on me also of like, okay, I'm probably ready to move on from this. But it's like, I don't really feel like this is the right time for Paige to like, this. I, I can't remember where I saw people discussing this, but it's like, there's an argument to be made. The story of AEW is the story of Hangman Page. I mean, he's literally in the very first title match which he loses uh because he really wasn't ready in like in a real way like it thought you thought he was going to be ready but he just wasn't yeah and so we've seen him get closer and closer to that but i feel like we're not at and maybe it's just because we haven't had fans in so long that we're not at that moment where there's going to be this big cathartic outpouring for him winning so i i like your idea better at this point we'll see you know how this build goes of it makes more sense from a story perspective if he fails again and then it's like, okay, this guy has overcome this fear of failure and we can all like live that, you know, through him when he finally overcomes it. It does kind of feel like a shame to have Kenny lose because it does seem like there's so many matches they could still do with him. That would be fun and exciting matches, um, you know, as a top world title holder. Um, but yeah, maybe you just got to, it's kind of kind of got to see how the how it feels on the night of i think and see if you want to go with page or omega i do uh i said a long time ago on this show probably before the promotion started uh in terms of aew being the story of hangman page that hangman page is aew's first homegrown superstar because he was the first guy that ever got over on bte he was 
<laughs> he was a jobber in the decade, uh, you know, a young boy in Ring of Honor and became a star on BTE before, you know, any of this else came. You know, everybody else on BTE was pretty much a star elsewhere already. Uh, so, yeah, it really is. He's the he's the through line from BTE to All In to, to now AEW. We won't talk about what he did at All In. Uh, all right. My turn for my elite pick of the week. And uh, it's a simple one, but also there is so much good about this that I can't just pick one thing. So I wanted to say Miro was my pick. Then I wanted to say this match between Miro and Pillman was my pick. But also like Brian Pillman is also my pick. So I just everything about this segment I loved. I love God's favorite champion. Of course, they had maybe the perfect match to do here. Like I was a little, I don't know, not concerned, but you're like, oh, they put on his thing. He's part of the number one tag team. It's like, oh man, he's going to, the number one tag team guy's going to come out here and just get whooped by Miro. But they had a, a great match where Pillman had a, had an excellent comeback. He was fighting out of the game over before Miro pulled it back, you know, and finally uh, put him down. He looked great. Uh, Miro looked great. I don't know. There's just everything to love about this segment and about these two guys at th this point in their career. I was the, our, our discordians. I've just, I've coined that can back me up on this, that don't, I, you both made faces when I said that. I'm, I'm afraid, I'm afraid you have not coined that. <laughs> oh, I'm sure no, I haven't, no. but I fucking, I've never <laughs> no. heard it before. I don't know what people say. I don't literally our discord was the first discord I'd ever been in in my life. So I don't know anything about it, but <laughs> let me say this. Everybody was down on Brian Pillman. Maybe even I was down on Brian Pillman. But he started like just doing white meat babyface shit on Dark. And I was like, oh, wait, this guy can actually be good. And he's gotten better. He's gotten into that role perfectly. And he was excellent in it on this show. Yeah, he is a unusual case study because I don't there's nothing that you describe about Brian Pillman Jr. to me in a vacuum that I would think works. It's like if you told me, OK, this guy's second generation wrestler he ha has uh, expressed fucking stupid views on twitter he has a mullet he has a gimmick where he comes out and he acts like an old varsity athlete from the 1980s or whatever uh and, and he's a baby face you're supposed to cheer this guy like none of those seem like they should work to me in a vacuum looking at it from the outside but it all does work his act does work for me I, I'm not sure why it's something about his selling or something about his look, something about the hair. Uh, I'm not sure what it is. Some, you know, liking Brian Pillman and having some residual effects from that. I don't know. Uh, but something does make you want to root for him. I think uh, he, you know, his promo, <laughs> he does that classic cheap pop promo thing where he calls him a big bitch at the end, uh, which is always <laughs> very funny to track those in wrestling. Uh, but also, you know, you feel some sincerity from him and you feel some honesty from him in the promo. Um, and all that kind of comes together in a package that works somehow for me. Uh, and then, yeah, of course, Miro is tremendous. The, the fucking Tron just saying a redeemer across it is uh, <laughs> is just an insane pro wrestling thing that I love. He has new music, which I, I think it must be an improvement because I couldn't remember his old music at all. I was like, what did his music used to be? And I couldn't, it could not bring it to mind for the life of me. So the new new music must be better. Um, and then, yeah, you know, he's Miro. He goes out, he kills the guy. He makes incredible faces while he does it. 
you know, I loved he threw Pillman out of the ring at one point and just looked like he was disgusted. He's like, what am I, what is this fucking guy that I have to deal with right now? I'm Miro. I'm, you know, uh, uh, the heavenly walking among you. Um, yeah, it was a successful segment. Yeah, this was something that it, it's something that like Miro has always been a star. We, 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 you can roll back the tape. Miro has always been a star and he's now become a superstar as, you know, the, the, the God's favorite champion. He could become a, just the biggest star in the world. He decided to be prosperity gospel Miro, but you know, as we, we, we know we can't have everything we want, but this just worked excellently. Like this is a match that would have worked in Atlanta in the studio for the TV title back in the day just was really like well thought out and everything you said Aaron about Brian Pillman Jr. and and the way that he's kind of built himself kind of back up from dark from where he was kind of on the indies and an MLW forehand it's something that you you like see this and you're like okay so it, it's not that the superstar machine was ever broken to begin with but you can retool someone into something and it's something that like the the thing that could have been a downfall about uh the varsity blondes and about this match for brian pillman is it could have been all been based on you know the dark side of the ring thing and they could have been like oh we're, we're we're capitalizing on a level of pop culture renown that now brian pillman jr has no this was completely authentic he did make a reference to it in his promo right after he said, like, you, you say, I think he is the second person in AEW roster to be on record as an atheist now. Because he was like, oh, <laughs> the way he did the promo there. And then the Diversity Blondes Act, I mean, like, we, we've talked about this. But I, I think the act is just really amusing. I think that Julia Hart being added to it, where, like, her favorite thing to do is to do a cheer and then point to her name just cracks me up. And the match was awesome. Like, this was exactly what it should be. Brian Pillman kind of eating shit on like a dropkick because he was so fired up onto the outside rocked. And then, you know, the, the the fact that Miro went from like the camel clutch into like a rear naked choke and then immediately like took the belt, raised it to the sky and just was indignant about everything is awesome. This was just a fantastic segment. And it's nice to see how they're using Miro and like they know what they have. Miro knows who he is and it's excellent to see. And then you see that also, in the same way with Brian Pillman. I do have a complaint. Uh, one complaint about this segment is I think commentary overemphasized and hit too hard that, oh, Miro's a different guy now. He's not, he doesn't have a partner now. He doesn't have video games and, and crazy outfits now. Fuck that. All that stuff was good. Fucking that's your own creative. We liked it and we're right and we were smart. Um, so, you know, don't fucking go on your own show and bury it uh because it all contributed to where we're at uh the only thing you need to bury is your bad grooming habits today's episode brought to you by manscaped our go-to for men's below the waist grooming products and we've got a manscaped new product alert (laughs) (laughs) the worst sirens can we gotta get like the we gotta get the horn for one of these uh, it's time to stop, drop, and order this brand new shaving kit they just launched. We've got the Ultra Smooth Package, uh, and they've got a bunch of new stuff in it. A new crop shaver, the crop exfoliator, the crop gel, 
It's time to crop that bush of yours. Get right to the roots. We've got a discount for it. 20% off, free shipping at manscaped.com with the code This Is. So the same way we start off this show every week. So they already had the electric ball hair trimmer. Now they want to help you get everything else trimmed down. Uh, so they've got a three-step kit. Crop exfoliator, you clean your stuff. After you wash yourself, you use the crop exfoliator, gets you feeling good. You use the crop gel, which is a shaving gel. And then that's step two. And step three, the crop shaver, which allows you to just shave your balls better. I've already, I talked about shaving my balls on last week's episode. I can't do it again. You just have to take my word for it that it's difficult and this helps. So uh, you also need to know these are vegan, cruelty-free, and sulfate-free products. So your manhood is in good hands. Uh, just use 20% off or get 20% off free shipping with the code this is at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code this is at manscaped.com. Smooth it out, fellas, with Manscaped. Your balls. Well, thank you. Mike Siren sounds like a cartoon bird singing Mozart. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I didn't ask for more of it. <laughs> I just was proving that I can't actually do that. Yeah, no, I think I nailed it. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get to the part of the show that I was most looking forward to. The delete segment, the stuff we didn't like. I don't care what you all pick because I am ready to go off on any fucking thing okay. else on this show. So, and whatever you pick, I get a chance to talk about it and I'll bury it then anyway. So Nate, <laughs> hit us with your least favorite thing from this show. All right. Um, yeah, the fucking women's match on this show. I don't have much to say about it because it was plainly very bad. Uh, we knew it was bad when it was announced. There were a lot of people in our mentions saying, oh, no, they're not. Vicky's not wrestling. You're not, it's going to be a swear. Vicky's not going to be wrestling on this show. No, it was just a tag match with Vicky and Rebel in it uh, as, as set dressing for this Britt Baker versus Nyla Rose feud, which has pretty much just been awful and bad. Uh, they pretty much got away with everything that people were liking about Britt Baker and uh, instead put all this focus on fucking Vicky Guerrero's managerial fucking prowess which is none she should not be on the show or in the promotion um it was very bad uh rebel seemed to get hurt so that's too bad uh but you know what i mean bless her rebel should be a, a second she should be a accent character she should be uh brit baker's amusing crony she should not be in featured tag matches on dynamite and she should be in them way more than vicky guerrero should who I, I mean, I can't even imagine why they thought this was good to do. We heard all about fucking the women in AEW. They need more talent. There's not enough talent out there. They need to have all these talent in the gym, put in an hour so they get TV ready. And then this is the talent they put in on TV is Vicky Guerrero in a bad tag match instead of any of the other entirely talented, capable women. That they could have. Riho is in the U.S. now. Serena Deeb. Big Keep swole. on going. Keep on going. There's Any a list. Penelope Four is never on the show. Kylan uh, King. Like, there's a lot of people on Dark who've really improved and, you know, would have been much better than... Hikaru Shida wasn't on this show. Hikaru Shida. not on yeah. the show. No, they, no the, the one there's women's more. segment there's, more. there's a long list of be, people they could have used. Yeah, I mean, you can look at the roster, but no, they have to give this time to Vicky Guerrero and this god-awful feud. 
I'm going to read my exact notes as my comments on this match. LOL, they're doing this. And I hope Rebel gets better soon. That looked really gnarly. And, you know, that's, that, that sucks right before they're going on tour, you know, too. Like, because Rebel is one, one of the things that when Brit turned heel, having Rebel there as her flunky, Nate's favorite thing, flunkies, was so effective there. And you completely, like, other than the start where Brit shoved Rebel into the ring to start the match, that was the best part of the match. It was all downhill from there. It was just bad. LOL, they actually did it. This is the lowest point of the women's division. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It truly I, is. I, I don't, there's no, there has not, this like made me turn off the television. That's where we were at with this. Yeah, no, this was the lowest point. I, I always hate the thing about like, oh, I, I would hate for somebody to walk in while I'm watching this. But literally my wife was sitting on the couch and I was like, just don't fucking look up and look at this. Like, <laughs> just keep, you're doing this little needle felt thing. Like, just keep doing that and don't look at what we have here. This was the lowest point of the women's division because... Uh, we we keep being sold. The women's division is is better. It's, uh, no, it's it's fixed now. They fixed it. And our friend Tharos made a great fucking point, which is this is the worst way it could have gone because when Britt was not the champion, they thought she was important enough to have whatever the champion was doing and a Brit segment. Now mm. that Brit's the segment, now that Brit's the champion, that's all we're fucking getting, people. That's it. There wasn't even a Jade Cargill and Smart Mark Sterling. Uh, promo on this episode there was nothing but this match which was the fucking shits and had no redeeming qualities because if you could ever have cared about this brit and nyla match which i can't really but a fine like v1 i guess for for brit but this has sucked anything good out of it to where i'm like i don't give a fuck at all i don't want to see this match this was the match that Vicky used all of her clout to get booked. Was this? Yes. Yeah. They're like, oh, yeah, I brought Andrade into the company. Uh, and apparently Tony Khan's happy about that, even though he's been intentionally burying uh, Andrade for a month now. Um, but Vicky's like, oh, I did that. So now I'm going to get my big match, which is me in a match for some reason, getting my ass kicked by Britt Baker to no one's doing I really... Vicky does a spot in here that they almost, that they pretty much missed, of course, because the direction. But she go, she has like a she goes to do an Eddie tribute spot, which is so fucking bizarre, because she's the heel, and then she's gonna get interrupted doing it and not actually do it because of course she can't do it, and that's I don't know. Is she supposed to get is the babyface team supposed to get a heel reaction because they interrupted? her Eddie tribute spot, which again, the camera missed most of, I don't know. I felt like I was on Mars. I looked at my phone <laughs> for, um, did you and SB get Blackpink the movie tickets, Aaron? Uh, we haven't yet. When does, when does the, when does it happen? It's August 4th and August 8th. One oh. of those two dates. It's actually playing a lot of places around me. So I've got, uh, I've got three tickets going with a couple friends. Pretty excited. Is uh, but yeah, you'll have to check out, check out your local listings. Okay, do I do I know any of the friends you're going with? Um, have you met them? No. Okay. <laughs> I don't think. All right. No. Just just check. Well, I didn't know. Rich if... Rich Rich Krejci has met them. 
Really? Wow. Yeah. Remember, remember, we went to the uh, the AEW show the other day, and I was at the DM. Like, oh, that's right. I just introduced all my IRL friends to Rich Creech. <laughs> uh, I've I just found it on. Well, but this is just Cinemark. I thought it was Regal, but Cin- uh, well, it, it, it's on. It's uh, I think it's playing. It's definitely playing AMC, and I think Regal. Just go to Blackpink the movie. This is for everyone, all listeners. Mike, you too. It's blackpinkthemovie.com, and they'll okay. give you. You're listening. I'm trying to find out right now. Would it be even in my area, Nate? Blackpink is area? in everyone's area. Um, oh, fuck I'll yeah. Do... It is playing here. Yeah, I was surprised. I thought it was... My initial thought was, oh, this is going to play that Korean-owned uh, theater chain that's like only in right. California. Mm-hmm, but yeah. no, it's it's a special engagement at a lot of different chains. No, this this is playing at... That only has one showing, I think, on Wednesday. Oh, you were asking August me 4th. if I was going with blank, of course, because we went to the yeah, Blackman. I was trying to think blank. of Blake's okay, fucking I... <laughs> Twitter name without saying his real name. So, right. Yes, I, I figured that out. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's Black... three three places here showing it. I don't think it's in my area. I don't think. It's oh in my no! Area. Oh no! It is not in my area. Let me see. Uh, when is Black it? Blackpink, it... not the South Carolina Revolution. No. No. Uh, I am looking actually for the limited release in on August fourth. Uh, st- still not my area. Brutal. I hate. I that's hate to that's see too that. bad. Yeah, I hate. To, you know, you're basically that's the equivalent of a third world country or whatever. So I'm I'm yeah. sorry about that. Uh, but I believe we can all uh, get behind Mike and and help uh, help him do better in I think his so. area. Yeah, you, you we'll, know, we'll we'll find a pirated version for you, Mike. Don't worry. <laughs> Well, what needs to happen to get this actually happen in my area is they need to get Dabo Sweeney to out there. Like, he needs to become mm. a blink. If Dabo Sweeney becomes a blink, <laughs> he joins the likes of Shima and becomes a blink, then we might get Blackpink in the upstate of South Carolina. All we need is for, like, some K-pop super fan to be a top-ranked recruit. For Clemson, yes. Then we'll see, like, fucking... No, just a top-ranked recruit, period. So we see, like, Nick Saban... Uh, <laughs> Devo, like everybody ed, or- ed orgeron talking oh, about blackpink yeah although oh, I, think and- he's, I think he's canceled and- now but oh no he is canceled like yeah. he's been he was canceled way before his lsu job people just forgot about that yeah i forgot and this about is it. great because now ncaa players can do endorsements and That's get compensated right. so he, they can be endorsed they can do blackpink endorsements and get and get compensated i would love I- to see a big college athlete do a commercial it's like you have Come see Blackpink, the movie, on August 4th. To Eric King in Miami, just out there. Like, he came back for his sixth year. Actually, I think, is it his sixth year or seventh year? Like, he got you, a lot of extra years. Yeah, the COVID thing. Yeah. Oh, that's right. You can't get a seventh year because yeah. of COVID. That's insane. Because he's a grad transfer, and right. he he got the one-time thing, and then he got another he got another year because he got injured last year. So Amazing. I think he's. I should have gone to college years. for seven years. <laughs> Me too. Oh, sick. I mean, I would have been, would have been better than the additional three years I did. <laughs> yes. Well, especially if you're a fucking qu- quarterback in college football, it's like it's probably a pretty fun time to be. A- and uh, and especially if you're there long enough to make the tail end of. Oh, now you can be compensated for <laughs> right. Yeah. Like football. Yes. Yeah. It, it, I mean, he's he's. Get, I think Derek King is get will have a full master's degree by the time he's done at Miami. Like oh, that's great. Good. That's a great plan. Now he just needs a Jisoo uh, uh, needs to get out there. Like we need to get Jisoo and we need to get Derek <laughs> King. I've said Jisoo is the one that needs to give Derek King. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm so I'm so uh, pleased and amused that Jisoo is uh, Mike's first poll for Blackpink. <laughs> you, you thought I was going to do Jenny or Rose or Lisa? 
I know. Yeah, yeah, really, 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 yeah, really any one of the other three. I kind of thought you were. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Michael, I'm, I'm going to give you time to recover on this black pick pull and give no, us a, uh, give us your delete for the week. OK, first, you have to name a member of twice. OK, uh, no. Or, anyway. or OK, B, OK, low hanging fruit, BTS. A member of BTS. Who oh, I don't, is... don't why don't your arms are moving? I don't see you on the keyboard. <laughs> I've got one. Uh, J Hope. Okay, I'm pretty sure Mike cheated. Aaron Felix. <laughs> Felix. <laughs> yeah, BTS. Yes. Oh no, no, fuck! I fucked this up. The, that's I don't Felix know Felix? BTS. My my Felix? teacher has become obsessed with stray kids. Oh, that's oh, right. Okay. You mentioned yeah. this. And there's and a is dude that called, a Stray Kids member? Yeah, there's a dude called Felix in that. Sorry for all the BTS. <laughs> you, you said Felix. My first thought went to Chapo Trap House. Yes, yeah, And then same. I was like, wait, is this a Between the Sheets joke he's trying to make here? He's trying to think of Chris Elner? I don't know. Uh, you know, uh, Chris Elner's favorite wrestler, Eddie Kingston. No, nobody's going with me. No, on no, that? no, 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 no. I, I, I got it. I just wasn't okay. going to. Just nobody liked it. That, that yeah, hurts. Yeah. I mean, I just like, I said, I started the show the, by saying like, I just need support. I fucking need the I dark order. I laughed at the Felix. I need to join the dark order. That's I laughed idea. at the. I laughed at the Felix joke. Yeah, it wasn't a joke, man. I just fucked it up. <laughs> <laughs> I give you props for knowing a member of a more obscure K-pop group. They got yeah, this sick yeah. video that's at like a racetrack. It's okay. very cool. It's like it was a good song too. I liked it. But she was showing it to me. So, all right, Mike, tell me what you didn't like, so I can also shit on said thing. All right, um, Ethan and Darby, like just like the way that that they've now like gone about this storyline is like so now they're delaying the casket match because Elon got mad because Elon. I'm thinking about. Ah, I'm completely on tilt now. Uh, Ethan Page. E- what if Ethan Page had an Elon Musk gimmick? Elon Page? Yeah, that'd be sick, actually. <laughs> but that's what he should do. He should become an Elon Musk. Uh, but yeah, I'm just like, it's something where, like, yes, like the coffin match, that's something that plays everyone's strengths. But, like, what is the point of delaying it other than, okay, we maybe loaded up this Miami show too much for probably being the lowest attended show on this first tour? Like, it just came off, like, okay how can he have the right to do this like they've made like such a thing that like tony khan is a presence here like shouldn't he be able to say like you provoked him like that's your fault here about this it just like i everything up until that point i was like all right no like this is actually like this makes a lot more sense than like the utterly bizarre promo ethan page cut last week and then this one it, it was working, and it was like, oh, no, you scratch my eyes. You gouge my eyes. We can't have this match for another week. You can't touch me for a week before this match. And we were like, okay, like, what gives you the right? Like, I know Vicky Guerrero got to make a match, but that's because she brought in Andrade. Who did you bring in, Ethan Page? Are you going to, like, somehow get ACH out of retirement back in here? Then then you have the right to do that. If, if you bring someone into the company, apparently you can make a match. But in that case, I don't know. And I'm looking at the chat. Thor was asking... Who would be the Grimes with E with Elon Page? Oh, that's a good one. I, I'm gonna have to think about that for a little bit. I didn't hate this segment. I thought this segment was like fine. I, what mostly stood out to me about this segment was Sting brings out this coffin um, and then pulls like a, a sheet off the coffin. And I was very impressed with Darby's physical performance that he was able to spring out of this coffin. 
and immediately show intensity and, you know, read to the camera and then immediately get on top of Ethan page. Like that was very impressive to me. I can just imagine a lot of guys where it's like, okay, you jump out of the coffin and you're all fired up and you go and attack the guy in the ring and you're on this little ramp. A lot of guys would like take a much longer time to get out of the coffin and, you know, do their big flex or whatever, and then run in and start attacking somebody. Um, and I was like, Oh, that was, that's probably a lot tougher than it looks. And he did a good job of doing that. Um, the rest of it, I'm like, okay, you know, I, I was whatever. Um, um, I was kind of when Ethan page started his promo and people stopped, started booing. He got a lot of heat. He seems to be over as a heel. Uh, I did go, uh, you know, of course I gave Ethan page amnesty, gave him a second chance. I did go, you know, this is better than the Miz would be doing this, this, this interaction where he's, you know, baiting the crowd to, to boo him, but, you know, pretending like he's mad. This is better than The Miz would do this. So I guess it's a success to some degree in that regard. And then, yeah, the thing with, you know, they did a challenge and then they, he's trying to back off the challenge that, you know, it the cowardly heel thing, I guess it kind of makes sense from that perspective. I was whatever about it. Yeah, actually, you picked a thing, Mike, that I didn't totally hate. So uh, strange for on this show, but like because I, something on the elite on the elite list, I actually thought was okay that you put on here, and I was not going to bury that. Okay, well, I appreciate that. Um, I thought the promo was pretty bad, actually, um, because it was like he was playing into the crowd thing, but it did seem like the crowd thing also kind of fucked him up a little bit. Because he just, he kept repeating himself. Like the first thing he said, then the crowd got going and he played with the crowd. And then he was like, oh wait, I've, now I'm going to say that same thing exactly that I just said. And then even later on, like as the crowd was kind of going at him, it was just like, I don't know. Ethan, the guy, Ethan Page would tell you that he's so good a promo that when the crowd started going at him, he would have made his thing much more compelling and like drawn them into it in a better way. And it just kind of seemed like, Oh, fuck, I'm just going to get the rest of this promo out while the crowd is kind of yelling at me. So that I didn't like that much. But honestly, when it flipped and Paige came up with this whole thing about, I'm, you know, you're going to have to not touch me for a week before you can wrestle me. I liked that because I just said last week, I thought they escalated too quickly to the coffin thing. And I, I don't think this is like a retcon, but it's like, okay, I like this better where Darby's got to work a little harder to actually get this match with you. So I'd like how, that. How is just not attacking someone working harder, though? He's got to keep his emotions in check so he can actually get his hands for real on Ethan Page. Now, was the promo better or worse than The Miz? Oh, it's a, a billion times better than any fucking okay. Miz promo ever. Okay. The Miz is the absolute... Shit. He's absolutely yeah. He's awful. <laughs> so bad. That video that was going around of him backstage in the wheelchair with the water gun with Rick O'Shea, miserable. <laughs> miserable. Yeah. Fuck. Okay, my turn. And uh I'm gonna keep it simple. It was seeing Christian and Matt Hardy in three different segments on this show. Huh. Brutal. I I'm going to also go at Drew Spears right now. Sorry, Mike. <laughs> As I said in Discord, I abstain from this because of obvious fam familial ties here. Sure. This, If you haven't been paying attention, this feud between uh, Aaron and Drew has been building largely 
uh, on the Patreon shows, on Light, and in the Discord. Uh, so if you want the full backstory, if you need all the lore, the uh, the BT oh, equivalent lore. for this match is uh, the Patreon. It, it certainly is. Uh, I was burying Christian and Matt Hardy. Uh, and this is just like a short version of the lore. And, and Drew basically told me to fuck off because I was bitching about a mid-card feud. Okay, a mid-card feud that ended the show last week. That's quite a mid-card feud. And then a mid-card feud that got three fucking segments on this episode. And even if it is a mid-card feud, I have to watch it on my fucking TV. It like takes up time every week on this show and i don't give a shit about it what is what is the best possible thing that could come out of this like okay christian turns on jungle boy and then jungle boy beats christian and so you give like jungle boy uh, a scalp i don't give a fuck i don't want to watch another christian match and i definitely don't want to watch a match with christian and matt hardy who does that help who cares about it i hate it drew fuck you that's all i have to say <laughs> eat shit drew spears <laughs> Uh, Drew um, has has challenged me to a debate. Oh, that's right. Moderated by Patrick Cosmos, and uh, I just have to say this, Drew: you keep your hands off me for a week, or there's no fucking way you're getting a debate <laughs> with me. Um, yeah, you know, here's what was bad about this. I think mostly to me is the big centerpiece of this feud, presumably is. Matt Hardy and Christian, I think they've done a pretty capable job of arranging other parts around it that are more interesting to me. Like, I think the Christian and Jungle Boy thing kind of computes and makes sense to me and, and is a effective use of Christian there. But the big centerpiece is Christian and Matt Hardy. And when those two guys got in the ring alone together on this show, they lost track of each other for what felt like two minutes. And the crowd like, died. They were like, yeah, they were trying to get in this position where christian was gonna hit his 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 diving reverse ddt that's almost the same as stings but different uh and they could not get on the same page or whatever and i was like wow okay uh it, you know you guys have wrestled each other for what seems like i was gonna say it seems like 20 years it's probably actually 15 years right oh no um, it, you're right because wrestlemania 2000 had the tlc match Jeez. okay 20 20 years <laughs> More than 21, that, even. 21, yeah. yeah. Um, but so, yeah, I, I, I get being frustrated with that. I do kind of think the the Christian mentorship of Jungle Boy thing kind of is a, a good way to get Jungle Boy some more reps backstage and stuff. I think, you know, Christian's little joke about, oh, I'm part Triceratops or stuff. That's That shit would have killed me, you know, 19 years ago, 18 years ago or whatever. Um, so I, I understand the appeal of that, even though, you know, it doesn't pop me now. Um, and I kind of, I kind of even like the Matt Hardy act. He's just too, it should be more about private party than it is about this singles feud to me. I think that's fair. I don't mind the Matt Hardy act. He's kind of like gotten into a thing that I think is okay, but I just, as we sit here today, I don't see how the Christian Matt Hardy feud helps anybody else. And it's like, who cares if it helps Christian or Matt Hardy? Like, I just don't know what the what the goal is or what the motivation of this existing is. So I hate it. I, um, I mean, there is a positive to the HFO, like the idea of Butcher and the Blade, TH2, and Private Party as all heel tag teams managed by Matt Hardy is very fun. I mean, I like that <laughs> from like a like a 
you know, slick perspective of, you know, like the 90s when all the heels or like Mr. Fuji, you know, would manage yeah. all the heel tag teams. Right. Yeah. That's fantastic. That's fun for me. But I mean, there's no Survivor Series is coming as far as I know. So <laughs> I, I guess I do. I, I think I I think there's a universe in which you're like, oh, Matt Hardy and Christian renewing their 20 year old feud is neat. I, I can't I can't talk myself into it now. <laughs> I but guess I cannot, if they I can understand how that would be cool in some universe. Yeah. But it's like it's not like these guys haven't been I mean I know Christian took 6 years off or whatever, but it's not like these guys haven't been a fucking around for the past 20 years, right. you know? It's like Sting coming back is kind of cool, but that's already kind of like lost its luster also. So yeah, like, no, Sting they're they're using much better, I think. So yeah. I can't he, I'm, he's about I'm Darby. impressed. Yeah, and he's he's cool. Like his his interplay with Darby, I think, really works. Yeah, there is, you know, using these guys as nostalgia acts. Yeah, maybe it's that just that they they never really left. It's not even Jake the Snake is like he left. He was gone. We right. did not see that guy. Matt Hardy never ever ever left. He has been on national television every week for twenty years. Right. Even you know Tully is a guy that you didn't really see around. You know, there's some freshness to that. Yeah. Shivoni. Yeah, that's, yeah. It, you know, so there are ones that they've done it right. But yeah, you're exactly right. It's like we I didn't have time to miss Matt Hardy or I, I never miss Christian, but everybody knows that. So, all right. Listener Elite, this is really just a trigger. Um, Mike, uh, listener Swarles says, Delete, doing a 25 minute PWG spot fest with 100 false finishes instead of a grudge match, especially when you had that finish planned. Well, that's a false equivalence because <laughs> one that was not a 25 minute PWG match. I mean, Swarles is right. Like doing the, doing like the five minutes or like the first segment of just training falls or like trying to do pen combinations made no sense. Like he's right about that. But like, that's, if you think that's a 25 minute PWG spot fest, then boy, there's a lot of wrestling that would blow your mind. I, I mean, that is the match that MJF would have in PWG, so I can't call it totally wrong. Um, but he is mostly right, because mostly the finish is what soured this match to me. I can I can talk myself into the rest of it, except that it all except that all 25 of those minutes led up to the finish that they But we just saw that coming. As soon as they said, like, MJF and Jericho, MJF is going to go face-to-face and lay out those terms, like, knowing how this promotion has existed for the last almost two years, or actually now over two years, this was going to be the finish now. Like, I I feel like there's a lot of expectance now. that like I guess I I had more faith in them. If they're going to do 25 minutes and build it like a New Japan main event where they're going to spend the first act of the match doing chain wrestling and technical exchanges and stuff like that. If they're going to do that and they're going to fucking pull out all the stops and do huge dives into the crowd and top rope pile drivers and kick out of the 630 and shit, I gave them more credit, I guess, than they were due. And I thought they're not really going to do a fuck finish after all this, are they? I'm surprised it took us this long to get to what took up a, a full quarter of the show. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was like, you know, this match this this feud has gone on forever, um, but you know I think both these guys are are talented and have a lot to offer the promotion, and it's kind of cool that they can be in a main event. 
and I, you know, a lot of the fucking shtick they were doing on Twitter or whatever, you're like, okay, whatever. I, you know, just, you just do an honest wrestling story. Um, so I wasn't really into it from that regard, but they kind of got me into it just on how fucking hard they worked in this match. Um, and then just totally soured me on basically the entire rest of the episode because of the fuck finish. So Aaron, I do have a message from you for you from Drew. As I'm saying, because obviously I can't pick your side because Drew's my brother. And I, I can't pick that. Drew's side because, you know, we do a show every week and that'd be very awkward. It this is be. from Drew. Okay. Uh, he says, you're going to need a bit more than a needle felt pattern to distract your loved ones from how badly he's going to embarrass you. All right. All right, motherfucker. <laughs> like I said, okay, you've already fucked up because the week starts over now, sir. So... It's not going to be at least until at least next Thursday that I will debate you. But if you stay on your P's and Q's, maybe I will entertain this. Uh, and, you know, I have uh, been very nice and loving toward a member of the Spears family, but I will uh, dig your fucking grave, Drew Spears. <laughs> so have no doubt that I will. I, I would hate to make Mama Spears uh, bury her, her first son. I don't know how old either of you are. <laughs> but uh, i would hate to do that to mama spears but i will so in the hobby it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks we hype ourselves up thinking ah, maybe i can pull a ken griffey jr rookie card but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates it's all just a shot in the dark until now introducing slab packs from arena club Com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy slab packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's going to be junk you're you, you know what i mean like you know what you're probably going to get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying oh, hey look at some random cards or whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, you know, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off 
a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash VOW net. Arenaclub.com slash VOW net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. All right. Whatever mine it takes, we're on that match. I'm going to let them go now. Uh, kicked off with uh, the Bucks and Pen- versus Penta and Eddie with Alex Abrahantes, which we've already talked about. Um, then Christian was back saying the Jungle Boy said he was proud of him. He went toe-to-toe with the champ. You're going to be the champ someday. And then they had this little story of that tonight. Uh, Jungle Boy could be the first AW wrestler to make it to 50 wins. Luchasaurus showed up, said thanks for having Jungle Boy's back to Christian, and now he has Christian's back. So we have a little alliance that has formed. Yeah, sure. That's It's a nice little use of the stats thing that they can give Jungle Boy this kind of unique achievement and say, hey, 50 wins for this guy. So, you know, he's not a world champion or whatever, but he's still a major player. That's a good use of their stats. I mean, we've seen them give out things. Do you think that uh, Jungle Boy gets like a belt buckle for being the first of 50, maybe? Or like a not. nice a nice brooch that he could like put on to his tights. Seems unlikely. <laughs> I can't come well, up with something good, ideas. really, that they should give him. Well, how do you drop brooch? That's tough. You can't <laughs> drop what, brooch. That that also fits on his, you know, little little gear, his little his trunks. Very little gear. Should we talk about the uh the jungle boy Anna J relationship and, and photo? Good for them. Good, Good for, for them, that. for sure. I mean, I, yeah, obviously not going to be a hater. Um, do it. Do it. I said I just said I'm not. But do it. <laughs> I'm trying to encourage you to do it. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, maybe protect Kayfabe a little bit. They're, in, you know, in different uh, different factions. She, I guess that doesn't matter. They're both baby faces. Yeah, they're both baby faces. Um, it was pretty pretty pda for like in a for like just a a picture out of the blue is that anything i mean yeah we didn't know anything about it and here we are with jungle boy with uh full full of you know a handful handful. (laughs) yeah yeah i mean more than a handful if we're being honest no yeah i can't i can't find a a a good way in to criticize it all right i have to find something else to criticize they're both young and attractive and they yeah. should just have fun, you know, the, uh, this can only, this can only, you know, make both of them bigger stars, bigger exactly. mainstream crossover stars. Jungle boy is going to be on family feud, I think soon. Uh, so then you can be in the paparazzi picks with Anna J who will get a lot of clicks or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, this is, this is all positive for the business. It's good. Uh, next up was the Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page segment uh, where Darby came out. And then we got Jungle Boy versus Jack Evans. And Jungle Boy won with the stair trap, picked up win number 50, and then the, the Matt Hardy and, and Christian stuff happened after that. The match itself was fun. Like, I yeah. really enjoyed it. I thought that Jack's, you know, made Jungle Boy look like the star that he is. And I felt like that it was ex- it was incredibly appropriate. And I hope that uh, Jungle Boy gets his little brooch. Then we had an MJF pre-tape. He's talking about Chris Jericho. Uh, the the story here is that uh, they're going to do the same thing they did in the Cody build. So next week, MJF is going to announce some stipulations that Jericho will have to meet to get a match with him. If Jericho meets them and MJF wins, Chris Jericho has to leave him alone for good. And then he focuses on that he's going to beat Sammy tonight. 
and they'll say, you're the future because I'm the now. Oh, is that a reference to that tag team, the now? They're a Northeast team, right? House of Hardcore Legends, the now? <laughs> yes, well, probably. The, the future is now was a Chakara stable. Okay, no, the, it's just the now. Okay. It's, two, it's two guys definitely in their 40s. <laughs> nice. Um, yes. Just yes, Northeast, Northeast journeymen, you know, in, yeah. the, in the Dreamiverse. Um, I hope MJF brings them in. That would pop me huge. Um. <laughs> That's all, really. I did, you know. I can never, I can never complain about the content of MJF's promos because they're mostly what I complain about. He's like Jericho. These are all the ideas you have as you attack me during a promo. That shit sucks, and he's always right. Uh, we know when he when he echoes me. And he- I think that this was like putting aside the fact that they're running back, like the you have to do these tasks before I give you this match. I I thought this was one of MJF's better promos in a long time. That's why I objected to it being on the delete list. Aaron, because I thought that the promo content here was very strong here from MJF when he's someone that I'm very hit and miss with. Yeah, I put it on the delete list more of like, ugh, this is so stale because it's like something you've already done. Um, But yeah, no, the the promo was fine itself. It led into an interesting one that I'm particularly interested in in Nate's views on. We had Andrade backstage with, uh, I would say, a, a chastened. Alex Abrahantes and Andrade. They, f- I still don't know about this idea of like, let's just have Andrade talk every week, even though like that's his maybe least best skill. Uh, but they at least translated on the screen for us. Uh, so basically, he says Matt Sidal interrupted him last week, so he's going to make an example of Sidal in Miami. So we got that match set up. You know, that's a good match for Miami. It's good to debut Andrade in Miami. Um, you know, uh, those are both great workers. Like, those are, you know, both can both be, like, top-line wrestler in the world-level workers. So, if they get some time, they could do a really cool match. Um, I don't think I paid attention to this segment at all. I think I saw Abrahantes and I looked away at something else. Uh, but I did look up and notice, I guess, was the gimmick that Andrade couldn't figure out his last name. He called him Matt yes. something. Mm-hmm. And then they put they put Matt something as like a subtitle. That was kind of cute to me. That was my only take on it. Yeah, really stoked for the match. Uh, still, the character work and like the storyline with Andrade makes zero sense. Other than... If they're, w- <laughs> if they're willing to do subtitles on the show, why don't they just subtitle Pentagon and not translate them at all? And they've done that with Pentagon before. Before that's having... how Pentagon got over in this country. Yeah, but yeah. for the most part, it's like just if you're gonna if you're willing to do, if you're willing to break the you know fourth wall or whatever of you know when was this taped and is this live and can we put subtitles on the screen then just do it with Pentagon while he's speaking Spanish and then. Yeah, Vicky's not, he doesn't have his announcement that they had on last week's show. He's not with Vicky, who was introducing him and had his announcement on last week's show. All that is just dropped. I don't know what they're doing with this guy. They're getting back at him for demanding too much in negotiations. I'm sticking with that. Could be. Kenny Omega was out with Tony. We talked about this, where Dark Order came out and essentially made the challenge for adam page so they they never quite come out and say that right so they didn't actually cross the line of mm-hmm. inserting themselves uh but yeah so they had that 
the Brian Pillman pre-tape. The only thing I wanted to say about this that we didn't say earlier was he started out with saying, unlike you, I didn't have faith or parents growing up. <laughs> he like really <laughs> emphasized that. Uh, I did. That reminded me one time on this show where you made a joke about your dad or whatever, and oh, I, yeah. I fucking lost it. <laughs> yes, true. Neither of us had a father growing up. So maybe that's why I like uh, Brian Pillman Jr. Could be. Uh, and then Miro versus Brian Pillman with Miro winning the game over. Dark Order was backstage. I mean, we, we've recapped that. Uh, Team Taz, they had a pre-tape with just Taz, Hobbs, and Hook. Uh, Taz says Starks and Cage aren't here. Their relationship has been toxic for everyone. Hobbs says, we got to figure that out. And Taz says, we're going to figure it out. July 14th on Dynamite, Cage versus Starks for the FTW title. Starks returns from his injury. Hook speaks. And we're going to get... That's right. We're going to get the most Russell Circus match possible in Austin. It fits. Yeah, Ricky Starks, Austin guy. Um, yeah, here's another just I wish ACH would come out of retirement and be in this promotion uh, on the subject of Austin guys, Ricky Starks. Uh, but yeah, that's good. it's great that he's already back from what sounded like a bad injury, and mm-hmm. uh, it's great he'll get to wrestle in his hometown for AEW. That's cool. I'm just glad he could recover from that recklessly caused injury. I was worried about him. Yeah, no, I, I you know, the, the scuttlebutt that I had heard was that uh, Adam Page had almost killed him with that with that maneuver. Uh, and it wasn't the first time that Adam Page had nearly ended someone's. No, he, he almost had to retire from wrestling. So it's, it's very sad. Uh, inspiring now, though, that he'll be back. Then we had the just abominable Brit and Rebel versus Nyla and Vicky match. Uh, and then there was a. Oh, oh, I want to call it abhorrent. It was abhorrent. Okay. That's good. I like that. And then there was a pre-tape with Jake Hager and Santana and Ortiz. You know, same shit that they've said before. Conan's going to be in their corner for their trios match. I I mean, Santana is a really good promo. Santana's pre-tapes always kills it. Um, You know, Santana should be like a a, a top world champion type level guy sometimes. So I'm always glad when they give him just a little little room, uh, especially because that last pre-tape they did with the FTR feud wasn't as precise so this is a good development i think for proud and powerful to get their get their mojo back with conan involved and shit my favorite part of this was hager not having a single clue what was said like in the background after he said his thing just like just he gets like this look that you can see in his eye that you can tell that jake hager has a terrible terrible poker face which amused me greatly and then they closed off with, or closed out rather, with the MJF and Sammy Guevara match. It ended with Wardlow very gently throwing Chris Jericho off the stage. Very bizarre spot. Kindly. It, Kindly. No, he did not do a foot bump or anything either. He just took it on his chest, right? Yeah. That was, it was so like weird. Part chest, part hip. It was it bizarre. like the worst way to do that. Yeah, it was, it was very dumb. Uh, this was a distraction. So Sean Spears could hit Sammy with a chair. And that led to MJF pinning Sammy. Um, man. <laughs> the middle of this match was pretty fun when they just started going crazy. If, again, to me, it didn't really feel like a grudge match, but if you just kind of enjoyed it for what it was. But, man, I hated the start of this match. It yeah. looked like when they were doing the, like, quote-unquote technical wrestling, it looked like two wrestling students. It was like, okay, we're going to walk into this spot now, and then we'll go to this spot. And it, there was like no um, 
excitement, no rage, no even like focus. It was just like spot, 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 spot. No uh, reasoning. No, no, no reasoning. reason whatsoever. I think it, this it, is like the thing that you always get mad about on about on Helico, right? That it's just like a spot yeah. for no reason. And that's kind of that's what it felt like here. Yeah, that's how it started off. Uh I will say Sammy's top rope sent on Tomiko over the ring over the uh, ringside area, over the guardrail, onto MJF in the crowd without any plants. That was nuts. Yeah. You know, I didn't so the beginning of the match to me was frustrating because it felt like a meta sort of way to approach the match. They they wanted to go out and be like, okay, we're getting 25 minutes. I want to show that we can work. We know how to wrestle and do, you know, a long main event epic type match rather than approaching it like what would be appropriate for the story, which I guess is, you know, more of a uh, heated grudge type brawl kind of thing um so it was frustrating from that aspect the the work of it didn't especially bother me mostly because i you know i i don't care about whatever little details um but i thought the broad idea they were probably doing a thing like oh these guys are pretty evenly matched you know they're they're trying to one-up each other with this pin reversal or trying to one-up each other with you know this this spot off the ropes where they flip over each other and do one thing or the other thing those those beats all kind of make sense to me is like hey you know we're this is a main event match that's going to be part of a long-term sammy and mjf orbiting each other in this promotion kind of things as like generational rivals or whatever that all makes sense to me assuming that's the approach for it but yeah it's like okay you guys are have been building this feud or whatever and now you're going to go out and do like the Okada spot where he puts a guy on the ropes and is like, am I going to clean break? Am I going to clean break? Am I going to clean break? Oh, I did a clean break. Um, yeah. I don't know if that really, really makes sense. But yeah, like I said, this really, really heightened and they did a bunch of crazy shit that you don't see on television all that time. And I was like, damn, they're fucking going for it here. I can't help but be like, this is pretty wild. And then the crowd really got into it. And then, why was this I, the match for no commercials? <laughs> I, no, there was commercials in it. There was a commercial like partway, like at right after they traded holds. I think there was just one. Yeah, they, yeah, they go like twenty some minutes plus. I minutes mean, without a commercial. Usually, the idea is you get all the commercials out before the main event. Okay, but they literally have... did not do that for blood and guts. That's the point. Oh, oh no, I completely understand, and I agree with you. I'm just giving you the logic, probably behind the determination. Well, it sucked. I hate oh, it. You're absolutely right, Aaron. See, you're that, that's what I'm right. looking. That's all I was looking for, Mike. You say it, it took Mike the whole show, but he figured it out. <laughs> I know. An hour and thirteen minutes. What a build! What a build! And what a payoff! I am still, uh, I, I am still staying out of the debate. It's <laughs> fine. Uh, that was dynamite. Uh, if you like our show, a great way to support us is to head over to Patreon.com/slash/EverythingElite. We got three tiers. Give them a subscription. Mike had a thing talking about, oh, the class of 2019, rookies, or, you know, people who were like prospects uh, when AEW started and how the last few years have looked for them. Yeah, so the conceit was just because of how things were, where people who were with the promotion uh, or debuted in the promotion before it hit TV, but the rule was that no one in a promotion uh that is bigger than Impact Wrestling. So Major League Wrestling is not considered 
a major league promotion in my determination here. But it, it was nice talking about it, remembering some things, and you know, kind of. I felt like it was a good time to get some hindsight and talk about like how things went and seeing who's going to, you know, I mean, like you look at a lot of people there and I mean, like you look at like Darby and you wonder like, is Darby going to get a world title run? Like, did he reach kind of his peak here versus someone like Jungle Boy, who very obviously is probably at least a year away from what might be what people perceive his peak. All right. So check that out. We also, of course, always have our Wednesday well, now that the show's back on Wednesday, our Wednesday Dynamite preview that Mike and I do, and I feud with Drew Spears on that show, and then Nate gives us the uh, BTE and sometimes other vlog uh, recaps of what's going on in the vlogiverse. That's bad. Sure. No, I like it. Okay. Vlogiverse. We're going with it. Uh, we have a Discord, so make sure you join that and come chat with us during the shows and you know all the time, basically. It's a lot of fun. Also... Uh, we're we're revamping the Patreon in August, so you want to get in on the the last gasps of the old style of the Patreon. What could happen before we transition in August? So uh, head over to patreon.com slash everything elite and listen to these shows live. All right, next week on Dynamite, it is Road Rager. They are back on the road, but only to Miami. And they've had to tarp off the top of the stadium is just going to be the the bottom of the arena. It looks like because the tickets have not sold very well. It's uh, Miami. Here's the matches we have so far. Strap match: Cody Rhodes versus QT Marshall, who I heard was on the Joe Rogan podcast today. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, the tag titles: The Young Bucks versus Pentagon and Eddie Kingston. Want to live about those takes on Bruce Lee? He had though. QT. Yeah, QT a buddy. Little, little borderline. It was also. Uh, but I will say this, you know, for a, a wrestler, he did understand, you know, two out of three falls matches pretty well. He was explaining that to Joe Rogan. So that made sense, at least. Well, that's why he's a trainer. You know, psychology. That's right. Uh, Andrade El Idolo will make his in-ring AEW debut against Matt Seidel, Hager, and Santana Ortiz against Wardlow and FTR. Jericho and MJF will have a standoff where MJF will explain his stipulations and apparently there will not be a coffin match between Ethan Page and Darby Allen. I like the idea that somebody said, ah, fuck, we haven't sold that many tickets. Let's take one of these <laughs> matches off. Yeah, that's sick, actually. Especially because <laughs> it, it's Miami. Uh, and I always have liked, you know, Miami famously bad fan culture, um, you know, for plenty of good reasons. Uh, but I still have a lot of residual heat from old big three Miami Heat fans that I would get into it with on Twitter. Um so yeah, I'm glad they're they're proving proving me right that they still don't show up for sporting events. It was always fun seeing you know the front the like bottom of the arena empty until the second quarter of like playoff <laughs> yeah. games and shit. And and then the empty and then if the Heat were behind by more than four, it was completely cleared out by the eight minute whistle on the fourth quarter. It's like it's a fucking NBA game, man. You can be behind by twenty at that point and still win. Yeah. I, I do. I pro I should know. I have had a obvious shift in perspective because at the time I was like, oh, Miami fans aren't loyal. These guys are fake fans. They're not showing up. They don't, you know, uh, uh, stake all their uh, happiness and identity on this team. And now I'm like, no, why would you do any of those things? That's fucking stupid. <laughs> Show up for the playoffs. And if they start losing, leave. Who cares? Yeah. I, they're doing it right. I similar. But, I mean, I still, I mean, I watch a lot more. I get way more invested, Nate, than you do in sports these days. But I definitely have realized like, oh, this is mental illness. And I should, yeah, I should manage it in the best possible way. 
I I got way too up this weekend for someone having the potential of finishing eighth in a race and then proceeding to have to (laughs) retire because I can't have nice things. It was painful. It was painful. Uh, And then they're going to be back on the road for uh, three weeks before they do a homecoming in Jacksonville. Four weeks after leaving. Yeah. And then get back out on the road. And then, you know, we're coming up soon on, on Rampage. On the debut of Rampage, so we'll see how all that goes. But uh, and then all out, we got we didn't say this, but tickets they announced for the three shows on All Out Week, so Dynamite, uh, Rampage, and All Out. Those go on sale on July 9th, I think at 10 a.m., but I can't remember whether that's true. It's a pretty, uh, you know, they taking a big swing. I think mm-hmm. three shows, same arena, one week. Pretty, I don't, you know. I guess WWE does that every year for WrestleMania or whatever with like 16 shows. Yeah. But, you know, for any for any other promotion, it's like pretty unheard of. Even New Japan would run, you know, Osaka two nights or whatever. It, it's something also because it's not just going to be that because they're probably going to be doing a fan fest on Saturday too. Like if you are like GCW deciding to run like your big weekend there, you might like people might not be going out to that. It seems like because of how much oh, yeah. stuff, if, they, if they're buying all these tickets to go see AEW things, you know, that's right. AEW is definitely running two the nights, linemen, which I, right? yes. Now I'm trying to think of what dates those were. Cause I wonder if one conflicts with rampage. Cause I didn't even think about Thursday. that. At the time. I know they have one show Thursday because they were okay. going to try to avoid for that. That's smart. The thing that has made me hopeful about is, okay, now there's three events. So maybe, all out tickets could come a little easier in that just you might get into an all out ticket when somebody else is trying to get something else or, or something. I don't know. I'm just yeah. trying to give myself some hope that I'll get all out tickets. <laughs> I, I think that it would make the secondary market a little bit easier, but I don't know if, if you're going to buy that bundle, all out's not the ticket you're going to be shedding. You're going to be shedding either rampage or a Wednesday dynamite five days before. Well, I've already had this conversation with TJ Hawk. I'm not going to Chicago to go to a fucking TV show and certainly not their secondary TV show on Friday night. All out or nothing. That's it. But surely before Rampage, they're going to be taping Dark and Dark Elevation, which, um, you know, are, are, are must watches for you, Aaron. Uh, yes. As Mike knows, I probably haven't watched Dark or Dark Elevation in about I don't know, a month and a half. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, when they stopped doing it on, or I mean, I guess they were still doing it, but when Dynamite wasn't on Wednesdays, I was like, oh, I'll get around to this before we do light. And then I never did. So pretty brutal for me. And Riho was back this week. I didn't even watch. So that's, that's yeah. bad. Uh, and then also next, or yeah, I say next month, because it's June 30th, as we talk right now, uh, Yuka Sakazaki will be in AEW on excursion in AEW. So That'll be somebody else to not get TV time. So that's exciting. <laughs> uh, no, it'll be the one few. They'll, they're running back. Oh, right. Of course, the Brit breaking Yuka's face teeth feud from two years ago. So, Oh, right. That's just going to be the one feud. Oh, you think that'll be the all-out match? That they'll just build to that? That makes sense to me. You can get the Nyla thing out of the way. And maybe in Pittsburgh, they'll do the Nyla match. So who's, who's Brit's real first real challenger going to be like someone who you have to sit and think like who's going to win this match right yeah well i guess uh rosa right would be the would make the most sense that would be good 
But yeah. Don't know where she is. <laughs> no, don't know if she exists anymore, but. Oh, she, she was on Dark or Elevation over the last two weeks. Okay, hmm. willing to believe that. She's been out at uh, Mission Pro, I'm sure, which is about mm-hmm. to start touring the nation. Mission Pro. About to right. be in Jacksonville. Yeah, pretty exciting. The hot product. It is. Well, they got the pink dream, which is something AEW can't say. She's going to Ring of Honor now. Okay, if you want to hear more about the Pink Dream, make sure you follow us on Twitter at EverythingAEW. I'm at Aaron Light the Car. Nate's at Epitasis. Mike's at Fujiheya. Subscribe. Give us a five-star rating and review. If you want to support the show, go to patreon.com slash everythingelite or use the code this is dot or and use the code this is at manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping. That's it for Mike, for Nate. I'm Aaron. We'll see you next week. 